remember the name of the company? Monotronic. Mm-hmm. Remember Monotronic? No, I don't remember the name of the company. Monotronic. Yeah. Mike? Yeah, no, okay, I'm, I'm back. So, the name of the company has probably changed, but the name of the company was Monotronics. Okay. They were Canadian. They were Canadian owned, I think. And tell me how you found out about the job or why you took the job. Can you give me the backstory on that? Well, we were working on the house and we ran out of money, so I needed to get a job to make money to keep working on the house. And I don't remember how I found out they were hiring. But uh, they told me that I needed, it was, we were going to be welding aluminum, and that I needed to go over to the tech school and take the test. So I went over to the tech school and signed in with the teacher and told him I needed to take this test to get certified on aluminum. So he gave me a couple of plates that we had to weld together, and so I went out and welded them together, and I took them back to him. It took me about 20 minutes. Took him back to him. He goes, uh, did you weld these? I said, yeah, I welded them. How else did they get welded? He said, generally, we give people two hours to weld those together. I said, well, you know, I don't need two hours. They're done. And so he said, well, let me test them, make sure they're good, and then I'll write you up a recommendation so that you can get this job. So. He filled out a form for me, and I went over and turned it in, and they hired me. They said, well, we're going to put you on second shift. Uh, We only run four days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and I had a shop that I was working on, so I needed to have my mornings and my weekends to work in my shop. So that was perfect for me. So So I came what What is second shift? Second shift was from 3 to 11, I guess. Okay. So I show up in the welding area at 3 o'clock, and there's some kind of lead man there. He's telling me what we're going to do and stuff. And it had all these panels that had been created by the brake shop that we stuck in this jig and welded them together. But they had to be within certain tolerances so the doors would open and close and all that stuff. And, and so what, what, explain explain again what they were for. Uh, the, the phone company evidently has a contract with this company, and they build these boxes. And out on the road, you'll see these boxes. They're usually kind of a cream color, and there'll be a guy sitting in there wiring up telephone lines. So it's kind of a conjunction for. You know, the telephone system, only it's, they pour a slab of concrete and they bring the wires up through. They sit this box on there and it has doors that open and guys get in there and run all these wires. So there's, inside of the box, once we finish the box, they send it down the line and these ladies would install these uh, circuit panels. And then they, once they got all those panels in, they'd turn them over to the, telephone company, and they'd take them out and install them and, and wire them. So, so they had this big jig. The boxes are about six feet long and about four feet high and 
about four feet wide. But they had to be square and plumb in order for the doors and, and the panels that you stuck in them to fit. So I stick these pieces in this jig, and I I can't get the jig to hold them in tolerance. The jig is all broken and screwed up. And so I said to the guy, I said, this jig needs, no, nah, don't worry about the jig. He said, just keep tweaking it until you get the tolerances. I said, it's going to take me all night. He said, well, we got all night. So the first one I put together, I mean, it was a hassle. It took me three or four hours. Had to keep checking the tolerances. I finally got it. So it passed inspection. But I said to the lead man, I said, why don't we just fix this jig? Well, you can do whatever you want to do. So I spent a couple hours working on the jig and welded it back together and got it in tolerance. And the next one I made, I made about 20 minutes. I just stuck all these pieces in and welded it together, and I'm pulling it out. And this guy said, hey, man, you can't be doing that. I said, what do you mean I can't be doing this? He said, Day Shift only makes two or three of these boxes a day, and you've already made two of them. And you got another couple hours left on this shift. You're going to end up making twice as many on your own as they make on day shift, the whole crew. And how many how many guys are in the crew? Uh, I think there are four or five guys on day shift and just me and another guy and the lead man on the swing. So anyway, I said, well, what am I supposed to do, just stand around? Well, he said, put the pieces in and just weld a couple of them, go get a drink and, you know, just wander around, come back and make a couple of more welds, but... Let's don't do more than two or three a night, or we're going to be in trouble with the day shift. I said, well, this is really ridiculous, because this morning I went to a meeting before I was hired, and there was some guy from Canada saying if this company doesn't start producing more parts, we're going to shut it down. And you're telling me to back off and not make the parts. I can make enough parts here to supply the whole thing for both shifts. Well, he said, I can't help what they said in the meeting. We're going to get in trouble if we make more parts in the day shift. So I lasted for about three days, you know, picking my nose and whatever else was convenient to pick. And about I come back in on the fourth day, which is Thursday, and I'm looking forward to having my weekend off. And this little short guy comes up to me, and he said, uh, you Marvin Gardner? I said, yeah, why? And he said, well, I'm the plant foreman. And I said, I'm the manager here. I said, oh, well, pleased to meet you. He said, uh, don't bother to come in tonight. Now, this was on Wednesday. He said, don't bother to come in tonight. Come in on Friday and come in for first shift. I said, listen, when I hired on, they told me, that I was going to be on second shift because I got a shop that I run and I can't be working during the day and on the weekends. He said, well, we're organizing a third shift and it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday day shift. You'll only work 30 hours and you'll get paid for 40. That's a real deal. I said, man, I I can't do that. I got to have my afternoons and weekends free. 
He said, well, you don't have any choice. I said, what do you mean I don't have any choice? He said, I'm the plant manager, and I'm telling you this is when you're coming in. So you don't have a choice but to just lay off tonight or tomorrow and then come in on Friday. And I said, well, I'm going to explain to you that I'm a free man, and I have my choice. And I picked up my toolbox and left, and I never went back. I went back on Monday to get my check, and uh, what do they call him, personnel manager or whatever it is, a public relations guy? I'm about halfway to the car, and I hear this guy yelling my name. So I stopped. I, he, he comes running up. He said, are you Mr. Gardner? I said, yeah. He said, well, I'm so-and-so. I'm the, what do they call him? HR. Yeah, human resources guy. I said, well, that's please. I thought the girl that hired me was, oh, no, she's my assistant. He said, where are you going? I said, I'm going home. He said, well, you were supposed to come in on, on day shift today or last Friday. Then you never showed up. I said, well, you know, I hired on here to work on second shift Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and I was informed last Wednesday that I had no choice but to come in on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I tried to explain to the gentleman that was telling me I had no choice that I did have a choice, and my choice is to go to my parked car and get the hell out of here. Well, you got a bad attitude. I said, yeah, yeah, but I got my check, and that's the important thing. So that was the end of my uh, sojourn. I got my car, and that was the second job I had in Georgia in 25 years. It lasted for three days. Hmm. You still there? Yeah, I'm just listening. Now, that's the second job I had. Let me tell you about the first job. One of those sons came to me one day when I'm working on the house, and he said, uh, you know, I understand you need a job, you know, and I really, I was kind of supervising. I was the project manager for building the house, and we had contractors come, and if you're not there monitoring what they're doing, they just flew around, and they messed things up, and so I was keeping an eye on what was going on, and I'm working with every contractor that came to the house. But we ran out of money. So I decided I'll go make some money, and then we'll start hiring contractors again. So one of that son said, well, I, he had a girlfriend that was working for this welding outfit. And he said, uh, I think they're hiring. So I go there. They got a big shop with about eight or ten guys working in it. So I'm expecting to get a station and go to work welding. They said, oh, no, no, you're going out to Georgia Pacific, and you're going to work out there. There's a project we got going out. This guy that owned this company would take on any project he could find. So he said, uh, you just go on out there in the parking lot. He gave me the name of the guy that was the lead man. and He said, there's a crew out there working, and they're welding in some vats. I said, okay, so I load up my gear, and I go out it's about 20, 25 miles out of town. It's this huge operation where they bring these trees in, and they put them in there, eight vats, and they put these trees down in these vats with boiling liquid of some kind with chemicals in it. It, it 
it boiled at 160 degrees, okay? So these vats are about 10, 15 feet deep and about 8 feet wide and long enough to put a big log in. And they dump these logs in there and they cook them for, I don't know how long, several days. Then they pull them out and they put them on these racks and skinned them and made little tiny thin sheets out of these logs and then pressed them together to make plywood. So the job was, when they built these things, these vats, they were only supposed to be good for 10 years. They'd been in operation for like 16 or 18 years, and the chains that ran them, they had these huge chains that went down to lifted the logs up so they could lift them out of the vats. They'd worn so bad that they weren't working anymore. So they would drain one of these vats, and you'd crawl down in there, and you'd shovel the muck out, okay? It was two or three feet deep. It was just scum, thick, thick scum. And you'd shovel it into these barrels, and they'd haul them out with a crane. And once you dug all that out, then you were you would expose these big shafts at the end of the that with these huge chains on them. Well, the chains were all worn out, so you took a torch and you cut up the chains, and then you lowered new chains down in, and a lot of times you'd have to re-weld the cogs on the splines to get them out the gauge so that they'd make the chain work. So you're down in this vat, and on each side of you is another vat at 160 degrees. So you're wearing leathers because you're welded, and... I'm here to tell you it was like hell, just like you'd imagine hell to be. So I'm, I work through an eight-hour shift, and I'm covered with sweat and garbage. It is just a mess. But there's three or four other guys working in the lab with me. So, you know, at the end of the day, we crawl out and clean up and go home. I come back the next day, and there's two or three other guys, new guys, not the same guys I worked with the day before. I didn't think anything about it. I don't know what's going on, so I'm welding away. Every day, there were three or four new guys that I had to work with. Well, it took us two weeks to clean this vat out and put these new chains back in. So the last day, I was crawling out of there, and I said to the, you know, the young guy, the lead man, I said, what's the story with, with the change in the guys every day? He said, well, you're a novelty. He said, when we started on this project, they had a mess of guys quit because after one day they couldn't tolerate it anymore. So they made a deal with all of the guys in the shop that they'd come out and work one day at a time, you know, and then switch off with another crew. But he said, you've been in there for two weeks with these change in the shift because I was a new guy. I didn't know all of this. I didn't ever work in the shop, so I didn't know what was really going on. So he said, we're finished now. They want you to go back into the shop. So I go back into the shop, and there's guys in booths all the way around the shop welding away. And they gave me an assignment to make these huge doors to go on a building. Well, I said, I need a welder. And they said, well, go over to the tool crib and see if they got any welders. So I go to the tool crib, and the guy says, well, no, we haven't had a welder in here in months. Uh, everybody's got their own welder out there in their own station. So I said, well, how do I weld this thing together? He said, well, there's an old broken-down welder over there. You can get it working. You can use it. 
So I'm sitting around with this thing for a couple hours. I've got the parts. I finally got the welder working. Then I said to the guy that was running the shop, I said, hey, listen, I need some help. He said, well, we got a little Mexican guy working out in the yard. We'll bring him in, and he can be your assistant. So they brought this Mexican kid in. He didn't speak English. Now I'm trying to explain to him what we're going to have to do. And I found the material, and so I'm looking for a place to work. And every time I get ready to set up, some guys come to me and say, hey, that's my station. You can't work there. So I ended up working out in the middle of the floor for three days with this Mexican building this door. We finally got it finished. I said to the lead man, I said, now, how do I get this thing shipped over to the building we got to install it in? He said, well, I'll just go out in the yard and catch a truck as it's coming through, find some guy that's hauling stuff and convince him you need this thing moved. So there was no organization to this program at all. I just kind of had to wing it. So I go out in the yard, and I hit a couple of guys coming through with trucks. Oh, I can't help you. i got to make a delivery. Finally, I found some guy and said, yeah, as soon as I get this stuff off the truck, he was bringing in new material, I'll back in there, and we'll load it up for you. Okay. So I go in, and me and my Mexican are standing there by this door, and I'd had to bring my own tools because there was no tools in the tool crib to check out. So I'm standing there waiting for this guy to back this truck in, and there's a young guy that works in the office, but he's in charge of the shop. He's the one that gives the form and his duties. He comes out, and he sees me standing there, and he started to cuss at me. What the blankety blank are you standing around for? The owner shows up, he's going to fire us blankety blank, and he just raving on me. He's about half my age, and he's working me over. <laughs> I just reached down and picked up my toolbox and locked it up and walked up, got in the truck, and went home. You know, he went back to the office. He didn't know what was going on. So on Monday, I show up to get my check because I'd worked there three or four days in the shop. So I go in and I tell the gal at the desk I came to pick up my shop or my check. And this guy's sitting at a desk back in another room. He said, hey, what's the deal? He said, you left that door just sitting out there in the middle of the shop and that Mexican can't understand a word? He comes walking out. He said, what's going on here? I said, hey, man, I got a really bad back. I just cannot tolerate somebody climbing on it. Would you give me my check and I'm out of here? So that's my second. That was my first job. My second one was the job with the jig that didn't work. So in 25 years, I've had two jobs in Georgia. Those are the two jobs. One, I lasted three days. The other, I lasted two weeks. Well, what's the what's what's your takeaway? What's my what? What's your takeaway on that? My takeaway is that I'm not a good employee. I can't handle I can't handle people working me over. I don't mind somebody giving me instructions, but telling me I don't have a choice or cussing at me because they don't understand what's going on. I don't have time to try and straighten out a relationship with somebody like that. So my best program is to do what I do, and that's work by myself. Yeah. 
Yeah, I work with Bev. She cusses me out now and then, but I can tolerate that. Yeah. So. You know that's right, don't you? Anyway. Yeah, Dee and I, we're, we're working on trying to put together a consulting to. A what? Kind of doing consulting as far as switching people from hourly, like switching a company that pays hourly that could pay piece rate or performance based. Yeah. Pay. And so I'm just trying to collect stories. And that was a good story as far as. You know, how they, you know, there's a lot, there's probably so many more places that could increase their productivity if they would just give people the ability to run. If they don't. Or just treat them like human beings. Yeah. Yeah, you make a guy a, a, a lead man or a supervisor, and they have this idea that they got to be, you know, pleasing the front office by, you know, treating people inhumanely. And because they have a title, they think they're, they're, you know, they have the right to work people over. And, it, it, you know, that's just a couple of stories. I could tell you stories for a long time. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. Um, are you are you in Indiana? Are you setting up? Yeah, we we got in here an hour or so ago. We're setting up right now. Okay. All right. Well, I'll let you go. But thanks for the stories. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Take care. Okay.